That's CoachDungy.com. This gives me a different outlook for my day and gets me off on the right foot. It's just encouragement for me throughout my day just to keep going. It's very calming after like a hectic work day. WIAM 101.1 FM, The Way. Current events, personal values, political and social issues, technology, wars, and tensions. Join us for the next hour to discuss and learn how the things happening in our world today point to God's prophetic word as signs of the times. The perilous times prophesied in 2 Timothy are highlighted through a recent rash of mass shootings. For those of you that invest in Bitcoin, have you considered Britcoin? And have you considered switching from paying with your credit card to paying with your palm? That's just some of what we'll discuss as we look at the signs of the times. Our weekly look at Bible prophecy in the world's news for Friday, April 23rd. 2021. Along with Mark Kirk, the senior pastor of Calvary Knoxville, I'm Greg Hilt, and thanks for joining us. To learn more about how to watch or listen, just download the Way Media app or visit thewaymedia.net. You can watch live right now on our Way Media Facebook page. And through the magic of lots of computer math, this program will turn into podcast 166 that's available through Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or Stitcher. All right, Pastor Mark, uh, you are back from a quick vacation. I am. And rumor has it that somehow you were able to drive the whole way down and back on only two wheels. Yes, I did it. Two wheels the whole time there and back and uh, had a blast. And I just went down and rode up and down the coast for a couple days in the sunshine. And I had a couple days free and did it. And I loved it and had fun. And it's good to be home. But, you know, it's uh, it was a great trip. It got cold coming back. It was great down there. But, man, coming back, it yeah. got a little chilly on the way back. It's like this is supposed to be late spring. But either way, it was a great trip. But good yeah. to be home. Yes. I, I think about just the weather patterns and the weather changes and and uh, just how cold it's been. You know, and of course, you know, every place is different around the world. But I, I just think about what it's supposed to be like in our neck of the woods. And I can't help but think that God's not going to be mocked. Yeah. You know, I just that that just kind of comes to mind. It's like, oh, you think it's heating up? Oh, I'm going to cool it down. Well, oh, you think it's cooling it down? Oh, I'm going to heat it up. Anyway, just not that that's what's happening, but it makes me think about that. Yeah, it does. And again, Greg, I was just thinking on the way in the arrogance of man to think we can control the environment. I think we need to be good stewards. You know, as far as that goes, we need to do the best we can inside the fishbowl to keep our part cleaned up and be good stewards. But we can't control the temperature of the water. We can't control what's going on outside of the water. That's in God's hands. Yeah. And uh, so I think it's arrogant of man to think we can. But then again, here we are dealing with mankind and God's dealing with us. And uh, that's why we can't wait till the Lord comes back and takes it over. And that's why we've got <laughs> lots of signs of the times to talk about that's right exactly this is our truth in 10 segment where pastor mark answers your prophecy or bible questions in 10 minutes or less pastor mark uh this question comes from jeanette who lives in santa clara california listens to us out there in california so we appreciate that jeanette and her question is regarding enoch she says I have heard Pastor Mark say that Moses would be one of the two witnesses, but I have also heard that Enoch would be the second witness and not Moses because he didn't die but was taken like Elisha. What are your thoughts on Enoch? Yeah, what a great question, and I want to try to be as thorough as I can. And and first of all, just say that I am not the authority. I don't know for sure who the two witnesses will be. Only God knows. But here's what we do know. We do know for a fact that um, Elisha will be one of them. Uh, and I'm sorry, Elijah. We know that Elijah will be one of them. How do we know that? Because uh, the Bible tells us that in the day that the Lord returns in Malachi, it says that Elijah will come. 
Uh, and he'll be one of the those coming back in the last days as the two witnesses. We don't know who the other one is. And Enoch is one of them that speculate. Actually, there's several names. Some say Moses, which I believe, and I'll tell you why in just a moment. Some say Enoch for the reason you just brought up, um, you know, there, uh, Jeanette. And then um, some say that it might even be Zerubbabel. Uh, because it talks about Zerubbabel building God's temple, and there's some indications or uh, implications of the last days uh, of Zerubbabel doing that. So those are some of the names that are thrown around. We know Elijah, for sure, is one of them. But why do I believe that it's going to be Moses and Elijah and not Enoch or Zerubbabel? First of all, let's talk about this whole theory or um, speculation about Enoch and the fact that Enoch didn't die, and uh, the, the verse that people usually use, Jeanette, in relation to that is those that, that believe this or stand in that position. And I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm saying here's where they stand. The Bible says it is appointed for man to die once and then the, and then the judgment. The problem is the premise is, is it falls apart when you look at it scripturally. And what do I mean by that? The argument is, well, because Enoch never died, he has to be the other witness. Well, when the rapture takes place millions will be gone without dying. So if you follow that logic, it could be a choice of millions of people who could be the second witness because there are going to literally be millions who will never die. They'll live, they'll never die, they'll just be translated into heaven. So if the argument is because Enoch never died, he must be the other witness, well then you have to say, what about the other millions that will never die as well? So I dismiss that as a... um as a, a doctrinal reason to believe that it's Enoch. However, I'm not saying that it's not Enoch for sure. Only God knows, but I, I can't say that it's Enoch based on that argument because we have uh, all the millions of believers that won't be dying either. So I kind of put Enoch to the side. We'll wait and see. Zerubbabel, I don't see fitting that bill for a number of reasons. I won't get into that. Number one is Enoch. Again, uh, there's no, I don't think a great enough indication that Enoch, I mean, that Zerubbabel could be one that would come back and do that. But then you look at Moses and Elijah. Again, we know Elijah is one of them. Why do I believe it's Moses and Elijah? Here are the reasons. Number one, Moses, for the believer, for the uh, Jew, represented the law. Uh, Elijah also represented the prophets. And so Jesus, of course, the whole Bible and, and the New Testament. But you have Moses and Elijah are the two that the Jews have always seen as the main staples or the foundation for the law and the prophets. And so to me, that's one um, um positive element there they represent the law and the prophets and so they would be again uh, obvious possibilities for being those two witnesses also you remember when jesus came and transfigured on uh, the mount of transfiguration it says that uh, two people showed up to talk about end times with jesus and guess who the two were moses and elijah so once again you see moses and elijah having an end times prophecy conference with jesus uh, on mount hermon and again, uh, why were they discussing in times? You know, yeah, the Lord could just be wanting to talk about that, but I think probably discussing what their roles are going to be. When you guys come back, here's what you'll be doing. And so, and letting basically the disciples see that take place. To me, that's another strong reason that it's Moses and Elijah. Uh, also, we see, and again, this one is not as strong to me, but I will bring it up, uh, the abilities of the two witnesses in Jerusalem in what they can do. Uh, such as plagues and calling down fire. We know that Moses and Elijah were used in that way, but I, I don't put a lot of clout in that particular argument because um, God can give that ability to any of his followers. It doesn't say that it's limited to Moses and Elijah to be able to plague things and call down fire. I mean, I think that could happen with anyone. Um, even the Antichrist will be able to call down fire. So angels apparently have some limited ability there. So I don't see that necessarily as a strong argument for that. I only point it out because that's, one of the things you're going to hear out there in relation to this, but probably to me, one of the strongest arguments that it's Moses and Elijah, and, and really for me, what makes me feel very confident that it is those two, is they're the only two that their bodies were buried by God and have been mm. supernaturally, it would appear, preserved. Now, I can't say for sure, um, and let me explain why. Um, it's also interesting where they both died. When you look in the scripture, Moses, he died at Mount Nebo, near Mount Nebo, where God said, you're going to die now. And it says that God took Moses' body and buried him. And nobody knows in some valley. And uh, nobody knows where he buried him. We just know that Moses is there buried near Mount Nebo in that, in that valley. Well, Mount Nebo is right across from Jericho down there at the uh, Bethabar region where, um, again, uh, the children of Israel came into the land and John the Baptist was down there baptizing. And 
it's where also where Elijah and Elisha crossed over the Jordan River when Elijah was about to be taken up into heaven. So they cross over the Jordan. They're in the same area right there. I mean, you can see Mount Nebo right there. It's, it's that area is where they are. And all of a sudden, God comes and takes Elijah by a whirlwind and disappears with him. And we know that Elijah did not go up to heaven where God is at that point. He was taken up into heaven. That is the earthly heaven. Remember, there's three heavens. There's the heaven around the earth where the birds fly. There's the second heaven, the Bible says, where the stars are. And there's the third heaven where God lives, as the Bible describes them. We know that Elijah did not go up to the third heaven or the second heaven or even remain in the first heaven because there would be no place for him to go. We know at that time there was, again, uh, the gathering to the saints, the Bible talks about, which is a whole other teaching in a place called Paradise, where Jesus told the man on the cross he would be with him in that day. Until Jesus died on the cross, there was no way to go into the third heaven. So, again, all the Old Testament saints and everyone that died prior to the cross went to this paradise. And so, so Elijah was taken, we know biblically, to that paradise because that's where the believers go, and the Bible tells us that prior to the cross. So what happened to his body? Well, he was taken up in the whirlwind by the chariot of fire. And remember, they bugged Elisha. They said, go back and let us see if we can find his body. Maybe, maybe you know, his body fell on the mountain somewhere over there. We got to go get him and give him a proper burial because it was really not good to not bury Jews properly. So they go look, and Elijah's like, look, you're not going to find him. God took him. No, let us go. Please let us go. All right, go. But you're going to find out I'm right. They go to spend three days looking for Elijah. Elijah. They don't find his body. They come back and say, we didn't find his body. Didn't I tell you? You weren't going to find his body. So let it go. God took him. So even as God buried um, Moses, I believe that is a strong, there's a very strong scriptural argument, even though the Bible didn't come right out and say that God buried Elijah. I believe God did. And I think there's a strong biblical argument for that because God honors the bodies of saints and even passed that on to the Jews where it was a disgrace not to have your body buried. As a matter of fact, part of God's judgment against the children of Israel is that their bodies would lay out in the open and, and just decay and the animals would eat them if they rebelled against God. It was part of his judgment. So being buried was very important. So God, no doubt, I think great scriptural argument, took Elijah's body and buried it right there in that area as well and took his spirit on to paradise where he waited until, of course, Christ came and everyone entered the kingdom of God. Now, why is this so interesting? Well, That would mean there are only two people that we know of whose bodies were buried specifically by God. They're the only two we know in Scripture. Enoch's body wasn't buried by God. Zerubbabel's body wasn't buried by God. God buried Elijah and Moses himself. And also what adds to this, so so that puts a special thing about their bodies. I'm making a point about their bodies, their physical earthly body. But it's also interesting to me that they were buried within eyesight of each other. They're both buried right there somewhere near Mount Nebo, right across from Jericho, in that same little region, in some valley. And I personally believe God has preserved their bodies so that in the last days he can let their spirit re-enter those two God-buried, preserved bodies, have them get up out of those tombs, walk into Jerusalem, uh, and then and then start their ministry of three and a half years of being the two witnesses. So I think when you see the, the fact that God buried them, uh, specifically, which would indicate a preserved body. Uh, we see that Jesus met with them specifically in the promised land as some kind of end times prophecy meeting there, the Bible tells us. We see they were buried right close to each other within proximity of each other. Um, and it would appear to me from that, we know that one of them for sure is Elijah. So it seems to me a very strong biblical hint by God that, again, it's going to be Moses and Elijah, which I think is cool because Moses, remember, wanted to go into the promised land and he couldn't get in the promised land. And God is going to, again, I think, let him go in that he never got to do. And Greg, here's what's cool, Hmm. because I believe that their bodies are buried there, that their bodies are preserved, that their spirits are going to enter. And how these caves are blocked or where they are, I don't know. But I believe you're going to see when the time comes, those caves opened up. These two men are going to come walking out with their bodies preserved and their clothing from thousands of years ago. I think God's going to preserve. I think Moses is going to look just like he did. Same sandals, same everything, walk out of that tomb. I think Elijah is going to come out all hairy and with his, you know, sackcloth stuff or whatever, (laughs) just, you know, uh, locust legs hanging out of his mouth. They're going to start walking (laughs) and they're going to start walking toward. That's a picture. Start walking together. I think they're going to meet up, walk to the Jordan. I think it's going to split for a third time. Well, 
Yeah, a third time, just like it did when the children of Israel went in and then when Elijah and Elijah came across the first time, I think they're going to strike it. I think it's going to split like it did for him, like it did for Moses at the Red Sea. I think they're going to walk across on dry land. It's going to come back together. These guys are going to walk up to Jerusalem, go right to the middle of the heart of it, and everybody's going to know these are supernatural people, probably know that they're the revived Moses and Elijah as they start their ministry there, and God's going to supernaturally protect them for three and a half years. So it's an exciting, exciting scene when you play it out in your mind, and I've said many times before, Greg, you've heard me say it numerous times what a great movie that would be and i've already got the intro scene it starts out from the inside of the tomb and you see this tomb and all of a sudden this stone rolls back or a door opens and this man sits up that's got a beard and all this stuff and stands up and walks out you see his shadow another one gets up out of another tomb he walks out they come together they look at each other and these bearded giants for god go walking up toward jerusalem with the red sea splitting and you have this whole you know name the movie three and a half years you know and boom this whole thing going on there where they do this judgments on the earth and god protects them and they're, they're, it's just, again, I get excited thinking about it. We're going to be watching it from heaven during the wedding supper of the Lamb. Yeah. But that is why I believe, I think there's a very strong biblical argument for it being Moses and Elijah. I believe there's a weak argument for it being Zerubbabel, or weaker, for being Zerubbabel and Enoch. But I only God knows. And so there's where I stand, Jeanette. There's my answer. And so I hope that helps with your question. Yes, indeed. Thank you for that question, Jeanette. And if you've got a question like Jeanette, we invite you to visit thewaymedia.net. Just click on Signs of the Times. You can do that on the website or in our Way Media app and send your prophecy question in, and Pastor Mark will answer it on our next broadcast. You know, I, I was thinking, you know, Moses and Elijah enjoying uh, the blessings of of heaven and the presence of God. Yes. And having to leave. Yeah. You know, because I think about the words of Paul, Paul's like, Oh, I'm, I'm so torn. Okay. Now Paul just barely had a glimpse, right? Yes. These guys have been there for how long in terms of how we understand time? Yes. And now it's like now for now for three and a half years. Yeah. But look at the honor too, Greg, that God has given them because who else got to do that? And Jesus Christ came down as a man after being there for eternity. Yeah. And these two now get to come down and I'm sure they're going to see this as a great honor to come down and to leave heaven and to do as Jesus Christ did to be a witness on the earth and then even to die for their faith, to have their bodies to die twice. Again, again, we know that Moses died once. He's going to die again uh, if it is Moses. Elijah has never really died, but he'll get a chance to die once. And, um, and so it's going to be an honor, and I'm sure they have a very high and exalted position in the kingdom eternally. And we're all going to be rejoicing for them and roaring and cheering, and it's going to be a fun, exciting thing. And um, I just, we have such an amazing future ahead of us. You know, when you look at all the devastation and things we're even going to be talking about today, just looking at our nation and all the other articles we'll cover, it's a very, very um, sad future for mankind. But we get excited as prophecy students um, because we know where it leads. We know what the end is going to be. We know who wins and how wonderful it's going to be. So it's very, very exciting. And I hope that uh, all of you out there listening are very encouraged about the future that we have because it's going to be great. Yeah. Uh, I know we had our pre-show discussion. I yes. think we should use the America articles to kind of launch Absolutely. into that. Lead us that way, okay, Greg. Yeah. I think that's great. I, I just think that these... Um, these articles here will definitely uh, set the tone, yes. so to speak. Uh, Pastor Mark, our first article that we'll discuss comes from CNN, and it says that the U.S. has reported at least 45 mass shootings in the last month. Yeah. Uh, and we're going to talk about why that is prophetic yeah. in terms of what the Bible tells us would be happening in the latter days. Yes, it's prophetic and also it's deceptive, and I'll cover both. Yes. Uh, it says, when eight people died in a mass shooting in Indianapolis FedEx facility Thursday night, that was last Thursday, the news was compounded by a string of similar incidents that preceded it. Starting on March 16th, when eight people were killed in the uh, three Atlanta area spas, the U.S. has had at least 45, they say, mass shootings, according to CNN reporting, and an analysis data from the Gun Violence Archive. This is They're the ones who quantify what it is, and I'll explain why it's Slightly misleading. The U.S. has seen at least 147 mass shootings in 2021. According to the data from the GVA, uh, CNN considers, here's what they consider a mass shooting. An incident to be a mass shooting if four or more people are shot, wounded, or killed, excluding the gunman. Uh, and that so does the GS, GSA, GVA. Now, let me say this. Why did we include this in here? And we talk about where America is going to be. But first of all, we include this because the Bible does say that violence will increase in the last days. And we'll get to that with lawlessness in a moment. 
But it is misleading on the numbers, and I think it's being used politically on purpose to mislead for this reason. Um, Yes, they may be qualifying or quantifying it as four shot or more, but it makes it sound like four shot or more in the grocery store, four shot or more on the street, four shot or more. There are huge numbers of these, Greg, that happen in homes. You have violence mm. in the home where the dad shoots the wife and his kids or right. whatever. So a lot of this, it's not, I'm not taking away from the mass, the people being shot. I'm saying it's a misleading headline in that it makes it look like these things are happening in our schools, our grocery stores, our market. No, no, no. Many of them are happening in our homes under domestic violence, which I don't think should be included in the mass shooting index. Because when we speak of mass shootings, we're talking about what affects the public at large. Mm-hmm. These in-home shootings do not affect the public at large other than in sorrow and as a statement of where a culture is. But they don't put the, the, the public in danger. So the numbers probably, and I don't know the numbers on this, probably much lower than what CNN is presenting. But CNN is presenting it as a push against guns. They have an agenda to do away yes. with guns. However, I do have to say it also does uh, accentuate what you brought up, Greg, and that is violence in the last days. Uh, yeah, when we were talking no. earlier uh, in terms of what Second uh, Timothy chapter 3 That's chronicles right. for us. That's right. Yes. Um, and so now, are you wanting to jump on another article or could jump from yeah, here we, right we, into... Uh, we, well, we can, we can jump into this next let's one. Let's do it, because I talk for just a moment. We don't have much time left in the first half. Oh, yeah, we got about 10 minutes. We're good. Uh, unless there's more you want to talk about. Uh, but this next one from NBC News talks about nearly a third of gay youths have attempted suicide, according yeah. to a recent study. Yeah, the, another side of where we are as a culture and the last days. Um, suicide rates among young people have been on the rise in recent years, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. But gay and bisexual youths are almost five times as likely to have attempted suicide as their straight peers. Now, I'm going to finish reading this, but I'm going to lay some foundation. Sure. Their argument is because life is, is harder on them and bullying, which no doubt is not good. I'm sure they do have a much harder time. But at the same time, what I think we need to recognize as believers, the reason they have a higher rate of suicide, this has been going on forever. Yeah is because with sin comes a greater level of guilt and understanding of wrong, which brings depression and, and can lead to things like suicide. These higher level of suicides are because of the guilt of sin and consequences brought into the life, I think more so than even the consequences they face as far as persecution. But their argument is the persecution. It goes on. Despite advances in the fight for the LGBTQ equality, a new report finds young gay people today are even, look at this, young gay people today are even more likely to have attempted suicide than previous generations. Here's what's interesting. Look at this. Research at the Williams Institute, a sexual orientation and gender identity think tank at UCLA a Law School, found 30% of lesbian, gay, and bisexual respondents ages 18 to 25. Now, remember that age. 30% from 18 to 25 reported at least one suicide attempt as compared to 24%, a lower percentage by six percentage points of 34 to 41. And it drops even more when you go 21% from 52 to 59. Why is that? Here's the bottom line. Their, their whole approach is the bullying and all that. And again, that's not good. I'm not, I don't, I don't approve. No one should approve of any of that. But my point is the brain doesn't even fully develop until 25. So, what Satan is doing, and that's why we're seeing many of our youth take their lives, Greg. Even with the COVID thing, we've seen suicide rates go up with non-homosexual uh, mm-hmm. uh, groups. Yeah. yeah, the brain is not yet developed, and we have now we now know by observation and studies that an undeveloped brain cannot reason or handle anxiety as well. And what's happening is Satan is taking advantage of the anxiety and all that's going on and causing our young people to kill themselves. That's why the highest rate is 25 and under. Why? The male brain does not even fully develop until age 25. All those lobes come together at 25. And they say from 25 on, that's when you can begin to, or 26 on, really make reasonable decisions and, 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 and control your brain better. So here's my point in all this. Satan is taking advantage of God's creation to cause our young people to kill themselves, whether they're homosexual or whether they're straight or whatever the case might be. The world sees it as, oh, everybody's mistreating them, which no doubt they do have a harder time in many ways. But what I'm trying to point out to the Christian community is, is that we need to be protecting our children, whether they're struggling in these areas or other areas. Up until they're 25 years old, we need to be guarding them when they're younger, below 18. We need to be parents helping direct their life because their brain can't really do that yet. And even from 18 to 25, we need to be a strong presence leading them in the things of the Lord and of God because the enemy's getting them and taking advantage of those brains that are not yet developed and leading them into things like suicide as well as other things. So very detrimental to our community and our society in this. So I think a sign of the times as far as 
um, uh, just recognizing the advantage Satan is, t- is taking of people, not as much on some of the major prophetic signs we see, but we do see a work of the enemy here with these. I also, too, think, Pastor Mark, and I know we talked about this before the broadcast, that the uh, the mystery of lawlessness um, is one of the things that the Bible says is going to be pervasive in the latter days, right. uh, which we are experiencing right now. And I think that lawlessness, um, because it goes against how God designed us in our DNA, right. um, creates hopelessness. Yes, it does. And, and that hopelessness leads, I think, in part um, to a lot of the suicides that we've seen in the past year. Right. And, and, and really... Suicide in general, I think, is a signal of hopelessness. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, th- there's th- no hope. That's there, why you there, take your life. Exactly. Yeah. W- whether it's hope for your situation or, in this case, what we're thinking about, hope for the world, where's this world going to, and whatever people are turning to in order to cope with that lack of hope yeah. that they have. So let's talk about that and the things that you're seeing right now just kind of coming together in our society and how the enemy is using all this and how it's being prophetically fulfilled. Yeah, yeah. I, You know, one of the things that's on my heart, Greg, I wanted to mentioned here in the first half, uh, and those articles were good springboards to that, is where we are as a nation and really as a world, but as a nation, I am watching us self-destruct. I feel a lot like Jeremiah when Jeremiah Mm. watched his own nation die, and I'm watching and we're watching America die, and yet at the same time, there's a sense of hope for the believer because we know that it's leading toward the return of our King, Jesus Christ. But there's a a great level of sorrow in watching such a great nation crumble. And I'm looking at a nation right now, Greg, and I believe it's the judgment of God, but there's a blinding factor. It's almost as if we talked about our current leadership. You know, for those of you, you know, again, if if you've ever had a, I hope you haven't had a drug or alcohol background, but even after one or two drinks, your, your, your viewpoint of life and decisions you make are greatly hampered and changed. And it's almost as though our leadership is drunk in a spiritual way. There's almost kind of like this in some kind of intoxication going on where they're making decisions, Greg, that are, that will knowingly destroy our nation. For example, we already had debt with this new election. We had debt of over 20, some $20 trillion in debt. I don't know what the exact number was when it took place. But in the last three months alone, and they're already saying we may not ever be able to get out of this. How are we going to do this? We have to organize to somehow pay it. And how can we do it? And how many years will it take? In the last three months, our new leadership has added $7 trillion in three months to our national debt. That Anyone who sees that should recognize, I am destroying my nation. I am destroying its economy. I'm destroying any hope for a future. There's no way this can ever be paid back. And now they're talking about adding $2 trillion more. Listen, this is not a political discussion. This is talking about the survival of a nation. And I'm watching God allow us. Either God's doing it through this current leadership and judging us, which I believe we are under God's judgment, or God's allowing the blinding factor of a nation that is self-destructing because we've rejected God and turning and running you know, into our own sin. It's, it's economically destroying ourselves, which, by the way, we know America's got to be destroyed economically and out of the way for this one world monetary system to come into play. Which So we're right on track for the Antichrist to take over economically. We see that happening. So America's on the way down. Mm-hmm. Um, but also we're watching the whole destruction of you know, the Bible said in the last days there will be lawlessness. And we're watching, again, as we see ethnos rising against ethnos. Jesus said that'd be one of the signs of the last days. Yeah. Because of the emotion that it's creating, and it's real, but because the emotion it's creating, people are losing their minds and they're making foolish decisions such as do away with the police or or lawlessness. It's anarchy, which means, again, it's another where we are watching our nation self-destruct by saying we need to get away from what keeps a nation having order or protection, so much so that uh, Valerie Jarrett, who was a former uh, Obama uh, 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 council member, advisor, um, part of his administration, when they had this knife fight with these girls we're talking about now, Greg, where this officer stopped this girl from killing this other one, she actually said, let them fight with knives. Leave them alone. Don't interrupt police. Leave them alone. We've gotten to the point to where people that are supposed to be leaders of the nation are saying, allow Americans to kill each other. Rather than let the police come in and stop it or be the ones that are the agent to stop it and save someone else's life, you look at it and you go, there is some type of blindness going on, whether or not it's sheer emotion, anger, total blindness because they're unsaved. But my point is this, we're watching our nation 
die and our leaders are doing it to ourselves. I believe we're under the judgment of God Mm -hmm. and we need to be praying for revival in the church and for God to have mercy on America because we are heading into a hopeless situation. It may be too late. Yeah. She's almost describing something like in the Wild West when there was no law around, you you were your own law. Well, people are going to have to be their own law, Greg. Wow. That's what it's going to be. And those speak of the perilous times of Second Timothy. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Don't go anywhere. we got more Signs of the Times coming up right after this. WIAMLP. 101.1 FM, Knoxville. It's Crazy Money Day. Hi, I'm Chuck Bentley with My Money Life from Crown. Most people desire to make a good impression when creating a resume. However... Desperate people are tempted to lie in a competitive employment market. Some falsify education history and work experience, technical skills, or positions held. It's not uncommon for hiring managers to find a lie on applicants' resumes. Here are some crazy examples. One applicant claimed to be a Nobel Prize winner. One claimed to have worked in a jail when actually he was there serving time. One claimed to be the former CEO of the company to which they were applying. A dean of admissions at MIT claimed that she had three degrees. She worked at the university for 28 years before the lie was discovered. A high school principal in Kansas resigned from her position after high school journalists uncovered her false credentials while researching her background for the school newspaper. And there are many more. Others have not yet been caught. Fear can drive people to lie. They need a job. They need the money. They think employers expect perfection. In reality, employers just want to know you and what you offer the company. Falsifying a resume is dishonest. Those who compromise truth fail to experience God's blessing. They miss the satisfaction of working for a reward. Only the Lord's provision brings peace and contentment. The deceitful may prosper in the short run, but their sin will find them out, and truth will eventually be revealed, either in this world or in the next. Now, if you're struggling with credit card debt, I recommend Christian Credit Counselors. They can create a debt management plan that will work for you. For more information, call the Crown Helpline, 800-722-1976, or visit online at crown.org slash ccc. A Moment of Grace with Ed Taylor. Do you feel far from God today? God's saying to you, I'm right here. I haven't moved. You're the one that started to slip. You stepped away, so come back to me. Remember from where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works. Unless you think this will never happen to you, it can. It just takes a little bit of time. You learn the motions, you learn the habits, you learn the routines, and everything that you once had in a love relationship with God is replaced with routine and ritual matched with compromise and a lack of love and things can get really messy really fast and that's simply not God's heart for you it's not God's heart for me and if you'll just turn back to him today he'll receive you you can learn more at edtaylor.org grow deeper in your love relationship with Jesus by visiting edtaylor.org this has been a moment of grace with Ed Taylor Signs of the Times now continues. Here again is your host. Welcome back, everyone, to the second half of our weekly look at Bible prophecy in the world's news that we call the Signs of the Times. Today is Friday, April 23rd. This is episode 166 for those podcasting on our various podcast outlets that you can find and subscribe to and much more at thewaymedia.net or download the Way Media app at the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store. You give me the money and I give you the suede. Or you can pay for services like learning ballet or save all your money up like to mess with the YouTube algorithm. There's more you gotta learn, see? All over the world, countries use different currency, euros, pesos, and francs. There's even crypto money on decentralized banks. Okay, Reuters is reporting that the UK is considering a new digital currency called the Britcoin. Yeah, very clever. How about that? 
very clever. We know that we're heading toward digital currency. I really believe that's where the world's heading. We've talked about this for a long time, Greg. Let's read some of it. I'm going to break down where I think we're really going on this. Uh, British finance minister Rishi Sunak told the Bank of England on Monday to look at a case for a new Britcoin. Of course, that's pl- uh, playing off of Bitcoin, which many of you heard of, have heard of, digital currency, or central bank uh, backed digital currency uh, aimed at tackling some of the challenges posed by cryptocurrencies such as Bitcoin. Again, money on digital. A BOE backed digital version of Sterling would potentially allow businesses and consumers to hold accounts directly with the bank and to sidestep others when making payments up into the lender's role in the financial system. And I quote, we're launching a new task force between the Treasury and the Bank of England to coordinate exploratory work on a potential central bank digital currency. He told the Financial Industry Conference. Soon after, Sunak tweeted the single word, Britcoin, in reply to the finance ministry's announcement of the task force. Other central banks are also looking at whether to set up digital versions of their own currencies, essentially widening access to central bank funds, which only commercial banks can use at present. This could speed up domestic and foreign payments and reduce financial stability risks. Again, the the BOE Governor Andrew Bailey has previously said Bitcoin, the best-known cryptocurrency, fails to act as a stable store of value, this is important, or an efficient way to make transactions, making it ill-suited to serve as a currency and a risk uh, that investors you know, shouldn't take. Central banks also took a dim view of efforts by Facebook to set up its own digital currency. Now, first of all... And who was this that said this again? Uh, this is the um, 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 BOE Governor Andrew Bailey. Um, again, so he's a government official. Yes, in over in Britain. This okay. is from yeah, Britain's finance ministry. Yeah, I was going to say, let's not underestimate the fact it's a government official saying that. Yeah, to deal yeah, yeah, with, yeah. because cryptocurrency is cryptocurrency. Right. the The mathematical computations in the premise of how that works is on the same foundation as any other cryptocurrency out there. Right. The difference is, is that the government, any government, and specifically the UK, can't control Bitcoin. That's right. Because it's decentralized. That's That's the whole point of cryptocurrency as it exists today. Exactly. Is that it's decentralized. There is no centralized bank controlling it. Right. Okay, so we know prophetically that can't happen the one world leader has to be able to control the one world economy, and yeah. he can't do it if it's decentralized. That's anyway, exactly no. That's exactly. So when right, I hear Greg. a government official talking down, oh well, Bitcoin is this and Bitcoin is that. Oh well, because you're going to introduce your own cryptocurrency. Yeah, and and again, but here's the here's the catch on this: they are introducing their own, but what I'm saying is even their own is not going to cut the mustard. Um, here's the bottom line. We know there's going to be a digital currency. Why? Because the Bible says everybody will be forced to take a mark and you can't buy or sell without the mark. So the mark is going to be your digital credit card. It's going to be your digital money, if you will. Right. So we know that's going to happen. Bitcoin took off because everybody said, you know, this is the digital of the future is digital currency. Everybody jumped in. The price went out the roof, et cetera. But I remember saying early on, and and I'm I'm going to say again, Bitcoin is not going to be, I don't think the long-term um, um, digital currency, and you're going to see it fade. Bitcoin is not going to be the long-term digital currency. You're going to see it fade. We have now announced ours in America that we called FedCoin. I think we talked about that last week. It's going to fade as well. Here's why. All of these could be good uh, investments, maybe temporarily for Stepping your country. Stones. Yeah, but long-term, long-term, there is going to be a, a centralized um, cryptocurrency that is a centralized bank system worldwide that the whole world's going to tap into. It'll be a world cryptocurrency, a world coin, if you will. That's going to be the one that if is, is going to be the one the Antichrist is going to use because it is the only one that will not only be able to be controlled by the government, as Bitcoin can't be, and see, Bitcoin can, Fedcoin can, Bitcoin cannot. This one will be able to be controlled by the government, which is essential for the Antichrist. But, Greg, it'll be controlled worldwide it won't just be Bitcoin or fed coin it'll mm-hmm. be worldwide coin so whatever this is uh in the future i believe you're going to see a worldwide centralized bank or some kind of centralized currency that will be controlled by the governments of the world as these 10 conglomerates come together yeah. eventually headed up by the antichrist so bitcoin is not your future investment it's going to be something else well you know and it could be an iterative process too, pastor mark in that you know 
cryptocurrency is a proof of concept that digital currencies or digital transactions can be made in a safe way without fraud being intervened. But that doesn't mean that the one world economy and one world currency and how that mark that technical chip that's going to be implanted in people, right? how that's going to interact with 5G and and servers and and however they're going to control that. So all that to say, you know, it's kind of like we listened to music years ago on 8-track, and then we moved to cassette, right? and then we moved to CD, right? and then we moved to the cloud, you know? So... Currency could go the same way. We don't know. Yeah, yeah. And not only is it iterative, it's repetitive. And it is. That too. Okay. All right. Note to self, look yes. up definitions of iterative and repetitive. Sorry, I just, that was a Gilligan. That was a Gilligan I, moment. Yes, Skip Gilligan. Well, I can't. I don't know. Gilligan's Island frustrates me. Does it? It's like, get off the island. Okay, lock that guy up. He's he's causing problems. Anyway, uh, I love it. I know, I know. You think it's funny. Anyway, uh, uh, Breitbart.com. Breit- Bright? Breitbart. You okay. right. All right. That was a bright, uh, bright That was move. a bright moment. Bright move. Bright moment. You'll remember it now. That was a bright move. 5.2 billion people face a very severe violations of religious freedom, according yeah. to this, uh, I guess it's a study or a report. Yeah. I don't know how they've compiled this information, but why don't you share? Well, the, the pontifical charity aid to the church in need, ACN, is the one who, who reported this. So how they get this, I don't know, but from their studies... Uh, here's the bottom line. Nearly one third of the world's countries, they said, where two thirds of the world's population live, violate religious freedom, according to the Pontifical Charity Aid to the Church in Need. Let's come up with a longer name. I need something that I can really remember. Christians are the most persecuted in the world, according to the ACN's Religious Freedom in the World Report 2021, an 818 word compendium of the state of religious freedom and persecution in the world today. Persecution on the grounds of religious belief is a growing global phenomenon. Now, it's not phenomenon to us, uh, but look at some of the reasons it's, or some of those that are being used. Um, it says the, uh, the Bilineal Report declares religious freedom violations have accelerated and expanded to the point where uh, systematic and egregious attacks are coming from governments, lynching mobs, and international terror groups such as Boko Haram and the Islamic State. Much of this religiously motivated persecution has come from transnational uh, jihadist networks spreading across the equator. The, uh, the document reveals an Islamic State and Al-Qaeda and ideological and material patronage from the Middle East, uh, or radicalized groups, in other words, local armed militias, uh, are doing this to establish a caliphate or a caliphate province along the equator. This activity has resulted in a crescent of jihadist violence that stretches from Mali to Mozambique in sub-Saharan Africa to the Comoras in the Indian Ocean and to the Philippines in the South China Sea. Now, a, a mouthful there just simply to say this. Here's the bottom line. They're saying this is a phenomenon that's taking place that the world is seeing more religious persecution. First of all, for Christians, it's always been there. However, with that said... It's not just to point out that Christians have been persecuted. This is what you would expect as the world gets ready for the Antichrist to take over. Every religion is going to be persecuted. Every religion must come down because it must be all about him. He will be worshipped. He will be God. He will say these all these things. So when you see this happening, again, this is the spirit of Antichrist, basically not only increasing on Christians because he hates the Christians. But Greg, even on other religions, you're going to see the heat turned up because eventually they will all be shut off just like that digital, you know, mark can shut people on and off where they can buy or sell or do whatever. They're going to be shut off because everyone is going to need to bow down to this world leader out of Europe, the Antichrist. You know, it's interesting. We were talking before this show how uh, Satan uh, desires to mock or imitate God. And we were talking about to the degrees and the details of which um, Satan is going to has done it and will do it prophetically. Yes, and I was just thinking about when you were when you were discussing that. Um, and say that again. Say that last part again. Um, just I don't. I'm not sure which thing you wanted me to to. Um, it, just he re hit the summary because I just I just lost it, but it's important. I want to share it. Again, I, I, I'm trying to think of what part you might be thinking of as far as... Uh, oh, I know what it is. I know what it is. It came back to me. Good. Where God says that... that, that uh, the Bible says that God is no respecter of persons. Okay. 
Okay? Yeah. Satan is the same, but the opposite in that he hates all people. Okay. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah, where yeah. God I is no respecter of yeah. persons. So, so in terms of the religious persecution, it escaped me for a minute. Uh, in terms of the religious persecution, no one's off limits. N- nobody uh, matters. And nobody, nobody matters. matters but him, I guess. And at the end of the day, I mean, whether it's Islam, Catholicism, Christianity, Buddhism, Hinduism, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, like yeah. what you said, his ultimate goal is to be like God. Oh, yeah. And he will cause all men, great and small, to take yeah. that mark to bow to him. That's right. Or they die. And the church, of course, will take the biggest hit because yeah. we're the ones that represent Christ. But it won't just be the church. I mean, when this thing kicks in fully, Greg, which is why these kind of articles, persecution worldwide against religions, the, the reason being is all religions have to come down. They He has to bring everything down so that he can be brought up. You know, it's funny. John the yeah. Baptist said, I must decrease so Christ must increase. Yeah. The Antichrist says, everybody else must decrease so I must increase. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. All right, let's get into some pestilence, plagues, disasters, and corruption. Uh, This is from Israel365news.com. China is hit with three blinding dust storms in one month. Yeah, this is interesting. And we talk about the earth groaning in the last days. Here's a sign of the times. The earth is going to groan in the last days. Now we see some major groaning going on in China. The skies over Beijing turned yellow and air pollution soared to severe levels as China suffered its worst dust storms in over a decade. You know, China, Greg, quick point here. They're one of the leading in the world of pollution. And we're doing all this green movement stuff. They just announced today they want us to be done with to have all of our green stuff in place by 2030. But in the agreement, China doesn't begin their green stuff until 2030. (laughs) Think about that. Think about that. Anyway, this pollution capital, the capital Beijing was entirely engulfed in clouds three times in the last five weeks with the visibility dropping to about half a mile. A giant cloud of sand and dust particles rolled into the city propelled by strong winds from the north of China. The current storm, the worst in the series, is expected to continue in the coming days, affecting central and eastern China. The extreme conditions are believed to be the combination of air pollution and dust from Mongolia, which is suffering from a hot and dry spell of weather being driven by unusually strong winds. Again, the earth groaning. The dust storms reduce visibility, leading to transport disruptions. Hazardous driving conditions resulted in traffic congestion and increase in accidents. Hundreds of flights were delayed at the regional airports. And the air quality index, this is interesting, Greg, look at this. The air quality index in Beijing hit a hazardous, here's their number, 999. Leading officials to order children, elderly, and the sick to stay indoors and suggested all others to stop non-essential outdoor activities. The storms were not sandstorms, but were in fact dust storms carrying much smaller particles that travel much farther, remain suspended longer, and more are more harmful to humans. Now, this is why it's interesting. You may already know where I'm going with this. I don't want to go too far with this. I just find it intriguing. We know that Satan has control to some degree over the weather. We see that in the book of Job. He can control the wind. He can control lightning. We know the Antichrist is going to even have the power to call down lightning, and there's certain powers that that he'll have. Well, it's interesting. The number nine in Scripture is the number of Satan, and the fact that it's 999 with these storms coming in and this unusual occurrence in China, which is a nation that is very godless and we know that he controls anyway. And when you consider that, again, the dimensions of Nebuchadnezzar's um, uh, uh, image, you know, that he raised up in rebellion to God was nine, 90 feet by 90 feet by 90 feet. Oh, again, interesting. It is just this. Yeah. Is, I don't want to go too far. I just want to say these are the kind of things that I find intriguing. And the more you know about the Bible and how the enemy works and these kind of things. There are things that are intriguing, again, not to go too far with this, but it is interesting to know that a nation that Satan leads mm-hmm. is now having these incredible um, uh, you know, upheavals in weather, uh, reaching an index that matches the, the triple number, if you will, of Satan himself. So whether that means anything or not, I find it intriguing and interesting. All right, let's get into some technology. Yes. Mm. Yeah. And this is, yeah. wow. Uh, you've heard the old saying, uh, hey, just uh, swipe your credit card. How about swiping your palm? Uh, this is from Reuters. Amazon to let Whole Food shoppers pay with a swipe Think about of this. their palm. Think about this. If this, if this is legit and yeah. it works, yeah. this will be the first time that someone's made a transaction using a body part. Yes, uh, you're except, exactly right. Now, I know some well, people eyes, put in maybe. those. I think I, I know... What, when we talked about the NFC chips, 
Um, I know that that there were some companies and clubs that had that embedded. So I take that back. That's not the first time. But that was on a controlled, privatized That's right. basis. That's right. This would be public consumer yes. level yeah. payment. I'm, I mean, Amazon is basically palm reading. You know, I was just gonna I was gonna try to make a joke about palm reading. Oh, and I'm it's like, you know, and it's like it's like it's like it's like, oh, you have a lot of currency in your palm. You know, I mean <laughs> you know, or, or you don't have enough money, yes, you know, yeah, or whatever yeah. the case may be. Right. Anyway, anyway, but go ahead. I see a bagel in your future. <laughs> yes. Um they're they're rolling out a biometric technology at its Whole Foods stores around Seattle starting on Wednesday. Again, Seattle's like the headquarters of a lot of weird stuff. Letting shoppers pay for items with the scan of their palm. Now, we know this is leading to the scan on the marker uh, on the hand or the forehead by a mark. So here's the technology. And now it's being implemented. Greg, this is very there's going to be problems with this. So it's going to have to do more, which means this won't be enough, which is where the chip comes in. It needs to do every transaction for every business worldwide. But anyway, they're starting it. Amazon seems to be a Baby leader. Steps. And, well, and by the way, with Amazon building their Babylonian tower in front of their new uh, yes. building in Washington, there's so many symbol, you know, symbols of the enemy's hand involved with Amazon here. The move shows how Amazon is bringing some of the technology already in use. At its namesake, brick and border go and bookstores to the grocery chain acquired in 2017. The system called Amazon One lets customers associate a credit card with their, with their palm print. It offers a contactless alternative to cash and card payments, Amazon said. The deployment stops short of introducing uh, Amazon's cashierless technology at Whole Foods, which critics have said would result in job cuts. Everybody lose their job, basically, because you don't need us. Listen, no, Amazon One still requires scanning items at checkout, and the company said that it will not impact jobs at Whole Foods. Amazon said it is its biometric technology will be live at Whole Foods near its headquarters in Seattle on Wednesday and will expand to seven more stores in the metro area in coming months. So it's the beginning, Greg, of something nationwide yeah. and a whole new idea of using your body and a scan to go do your purchases. It's on the way. Well, it, it's a it's a term called biometrics. And basically what Amazon would be doing then is Amazon would be, in, instead of them, you know, holding your credit card number, so to speak, right. in that sense, that they're holding your biometric data. Yeah. And I had read another story. It's not in our stack, but it's something that I read on my own, where Amazon drivers um, are being uh, forced to submit to uh, giving over their biometric data. So the vehicles that they're driving as Amazon drivers can log them for, you know, are they awake? Are they yawning? Are they distracted mm. driving? Whatever. Oh, I saw that. I and, saw yes, that. And if they don't submit to that, then they're going to be terminated. So there's also that push of, of wow, capturing, uh, uh, for lack of a better term, I'm just going to use it this way, capturing your DNA. Yeah. Capturing your biometric data. And that makes so much sense when you think about how God interacts with his believers through the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Holy Spirit has sealed us. Yeah. And he's put a mark on us that only he can see. That's right. On our forehead, the Bible says our, all believers have his name written have his on name our forehead. Written on the forehead. And that there's there's a, a, a symbiotic relationship organically through, you know, our, our composite, our makeup. And to go down to a biometric level is almost an imitation of that. Yeah. So I can see how that would be part and parcel used yeah. by the Antichrist as he seeks to imitate everything that God does. Yeah, so we anyway. said he wants to be yeah. like God. And so if God puts a mark on the forehead, then we we know that he wants to do it. He's, he's expanding it probably to the hand, Greg, because again, that makes it easier. You know, for the nothing needs to be scanned if yeah. it's on your head. You know, God's yeah. just marking you. Right. But for normal life, it needs to be expanded on. And and so he's going to do that. And we talked about, I think I can take just a moment real quick because we have the time, okay. about some of the technology, Greg. Technology is advancing. You know, some of you listening right now remember when you were told just recently that technology was, I remember back in the in the 1900s, it was like every, you know, 50 years it's doubling. And then every 20 years it's doubling. And every 10 years it's doubling. And I remember recently, every two years technology is doubling. According to the technology field right now, and those who keep up with how things are going, they say now every 12 minutes it's doubling every 12 minutes uh we now are increasing and doubling our um our technology we now have are about to introduce new quantum computers the fastest computers we have which are quite amazing 
they say that you can come up with a code, for example, that it can't decipher for 100,000 years or so. It can't. It takes that long for it to break it. And that's our fastest computers. The new quantum computer, they say, can detect and, and uh, expose that same code within three minutes. Three from 100,000 years, current technology, down to three minutes, current technology. I mean, stuff is happening so fast, Greg. And the reason this is so amazing, it shows you how that the Antichrist is going to be able to control the entire world uh, with this mark, with the technology. There will be no place to run, no place to hide. They can shut you down, turn your thing on and off. They can Your life's controlled. Even the people around you, they'll know who's with you. They can shut them down. I mean, it will be total control, and, and that's where we're heading. Now, again, I believe we'll be out of here before that, yeah. but wow, is it, is it a, you can see how this all could happen so easily now. Well, I was going to say, if you're not familiar with 5G technology and to understand what level of 5G brings to like autonomous driving and things like that yes. and and how quick and how fast it is and now pair that with Starlink which is Elon Musk's global yeah. uh, satellite internet service and 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 if you've never heard of Starlink just google it and yeah. read about how Starlink is basically creating a web around the globe yeah. at what's called low earth orbiting satellites yes. leo satellites that where there's no latency, not like a stationary satellite right. is, and it, it's it's a from just from a pure technology standpoint, it's fantastic. Yes. You can take internet wherever you want. Yes, it is not beholden to an ISP. Yes, and so there's a lot of there's a lot of cool factors about that technology, but you can see prophetically oh. how I'm not saying that Starlink will be used yeah. prophetically, oh, but yeah. how it could be used prophetically. Uh, you know, Greg, it is cool and creepy. And when <laughs> yes. you, it is. And when you see these things, they'll do like 30 at a time or whatever, and you'll see like 30 of them just going over in a row. They go in a row and you can see them. Sometimes you can see them. Uh, we have a pilot in our in our fellowship and he said he was flying and he saw these things going over, just rows of them all in a, in a row, just going. And it was the freakiest coolest but weirdest thing and these things are like i said they're going in huge rows all around the globe listen there is no escape uh it, you need to come to christ it's got to yeah. be jesus or, or or we're big trouble but it's it's yeah. exciting because the lord i believe is coming soon our king is coming yes. so it's exciting well speaking of jesus let's get into some good news amen because jesus is good news. amen uh golfer uh stewart sink uh points to jesus after his latest pga win yes he says i don't seek peace and joy out of golf and neither do I because I'm horrible at it. So, but anyway. Yeah, Sink won uh, the Heritage in Hilton Head, South Carolina. The RBC Heritage with a four-round total of 19 under par. That's amazing. Four strokes ahead of the second place, Harold Varner III. For the 47-year-old Sink, it was his second tour win of the year and propelled him from number 26 to number three in the FedEx Cup standings. Afterwards, Sink told reporters that peace in life and on the golf course comes from his faith. And I love it when these guys make a stand for Christ unashamedly. And I quote, the thing about me and my family with the peace and joy we experience, it's not something that we wait for the circumstances to line up like the planets or some signs or tea leaves or something. We install our own peace and joy because of our faith in Jesus Christ. And that is the number one tenet of my life, Sink said. It enables me to feel peaceful and joyful even when the golf ball is not agreeing with my club face and not going in the hole. I don't seek peace and joy out of golf because I know that I can never depend on it to fully sustain that kind of peace and joy that I'm looking for. Uh, it's too low of a target. Sink now has eight career PGA Tour victories. The two wins for 2021 match his previous best year, 2004, when he also had two victories. And way to go. Uh, I just think this is great to see golfers like this. Stuart Sink, way to go. Uh, I'm now a fan of Stuart Sink. I don't know him. I'm not a big golf guy, but I, I appreciate him. And anytime you make a stand like that for Christ, again, that is a testimony to the world. And Jesus is the answer. Boy, we need more of Jesus. He's the only answer for today. And we he's talk our about, only hope when we talked about hope earlier. Yeah, and we talk about all this going on, yeah. Greg, prophetically right now. We need hope. And I want to just talk to our listeners out there right now. If you're lacking hope, and especially hearing a show like this, it's like we said, okay, America's doomed, and the Antichrist is taking the world over. It's, have a we, great day. Yeah, have a great day. We'll see you next week. Um, look, these things are happening. Our job is to let you know about it. We're messengers for the Lord based on his word. The Bible said this was going to happen. That's right. But here's how we rejoice. It just shows us everything the Lord said is going to happen is happening, and Jesus is coming back. He said you would see these things happen when he's about 
about to return. So take hope. Turn to Jesus. He is your rescuer. He is the one that sets you free. The Antichrist and Satan will put us in bondage. Jesus sets us free. And how do we do that? It's through the cross. And so if you don't know Jesus Christ today, I encourage you right now. It's very simple. You simply go to the Lord, confess your sins, ask him to forgive you of your sins, tell him you believe that he died for you on the cross, and and receive him. Say, Lord, I receive you as my Lord. I give my life to you. You'll be forgiven of your sins. You'll be born again, and you're going to escape all this mess uh, and rejoicing in the kingdom in heaven for seven years at the wedding supper of the Lamb after the rapture, and then yeah. back on the earth for a thousand years when we all come back and take this planet over yeah. with Jesus as our King. Yes, and those are going to be truly good times <laughs> Amen. indeed. I can't wait. Thank you, Pastor Mark. And folks, thanks for listening. Don't forget the waymedia.net. Just click on Signs of the Times or check out the rest of our family of content at the waymedia.net, the waymedia app, or the waymedia app on your Apple TV or Roku device. We'll see you next Friday at one thirty. This month, you could celebrate International Peace Day, World Gratitude Day, and Miniature Golf Day. They all fall on the same day. So pursue peace, be grateful, and enjoy golfing on AstroTurf. Sounds like a great day. We can create all the special days we want, but God made this day. He made it for you. You can honor God, which leads to joy, which changes how you view today. And the best news is, you can do this all over again tomorrow. WIAM 101.1 FM, The Way.